Broadcasting from USA Swimming's headquarters at the Carolyn Dirks Building in Colorado Springs, Colorado, it's time for Kick Set. Join three-time Olympian Elizabeth Beisel and U.S. National Team Director of Performance Matt Barbini as they host members from the USA Swimming community, ranging from age group to Olympic levels of the sport. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Kick Set Podcast. My name is Matt Barbini. Joining me as always, three-time Olympian, Elizabeth Beisel. Beisel, welcome to 2024. How are I you? Know. It's been a minute, yeah. Barbini. How are I your know. holidays? How was Knoxville? How was everything? Yeah, holidays were good. Uh, we have a four-year-old, so uh, this is about the most fun window for Christmas. Uh, so we watched The the Grinch probably 275 times Amazing. in the last month since I've I've talked to you. Um, and yeah, Knoxville, I mean, we're... We won't talk too much about Knoxville in the intro here because we're going to talk a lot about the kind of the standout performance from that in a moment. But you know how the January meet goes. It's always people are coming off pretty hard training. Some are kind of ready to go and some are just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to meet right now after three weeks of brutal training. So uh, definitely a mixed bag. But um, you were in Canada. I was in Canada. Um, I've been like on the road the past few weeks. I've been on a little snowboarding bender. Perks oh, of being nice. a retired athlete. I can now do sports that I couldn't do when I was swimming. Um, yeah, Canada yeah. was very cold, as most of you probably could imagine. Um, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but a great time. Highly recommend going to Mont Tremblant. Yeah, if yeah. those listening haven't been yet, um, check it out. But yeah, I'm like very excited for our next guest because yeah. this year with it being 2024 and just how they have really solidified themselves as one of the most virtual versatile swimmers in the yep. entire world. Um, it's yep. really special to be able to steal their time for just a little bit. So I'll let yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So our, uh, our guest today is Kate Douglas. Um, she is of course an Olympic bronze medalist from Tokyo, but, um, that was kind of just the, if you could call an Olympic medal, a launching point, that was kind of just the the launching point for where she is now. Um, she's been on our national team four times, currently holds five American records across long course, short course, um, and short course yards. Um, and of course, what I was alluding to earlier, she just set the 200 breast American record at the tier pro swim in Knoxville with a 219.30. That record had stood for uh, almost 12 years. Um, it was Rebecca Sony's record from the 2012 Olympics, which was like six months after I started this job. So we're going back a ways into the uh, the Wayback Machine for that one. So uh, pretty incredible swim. Um, but let's bring her in. Kate, thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Um, all right. So, I mean, we're I'm not going to bounce around too much to on the start here. Let's talk about the the AR in Knoxville. And but the the question that I had kind of watching it was were you did you expect that? Yeah, definitely not. Um I was pretty shocked when I saw the time and saw that it was an American record. Um a 219, that's something that you know, I've kind of discussed with Todd as being a goal. Um, but kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't really, I was like, I don't really know if that is something I can achieve just because I feel like I've been stuck at a 221 for a long time. I feel like the past two years, like every time I've gone to a big meet, I've just gone to 221 and it's like, that's great. But, um, I was kind of like, I don't know if I like how much more I have in me. Um, but also I think because of that, I definitely think I was ready for a time drop in that race. And 
I didn't think it would be um, in January um, at a Tier Pro Series meet. But yeah, I think just after U.S. Open, I went into 21 there. Um, and I definitely think I was just way more prepared going into Knoxville. So I wasn't shocked to see a best time, but an American record was definitely more than I thought I would do. Pretty iconic too, with it being Rebecca Sony's American record. Like, yeah, I mean, I had, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that it was so old that the record was from so long ago. Um, so that's also like super cool to, to see that and learn that. Um, yeah, just pretty amazing. Um, you said that you were a little bit more prepared in Knoxville versus U.S. Open. I'm mm -hmm. assuming you were coming off of Christmas training. So can you kind of elaborate on that preparation and how you were able to be drop two seconds within like yeah. a month? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely had like a solid few months of training in the fall. And um, we did a lot of like time trials at UVA and I kind of just raced in practice and I was going some pretty fast times. Um, so I was excited for U.S. Open and but I definitely think the few weeks leading into U.S. Open, I just my training was kind of all over the place because I was traveling a lot. Um, and so earlier in the fall, I had seen what, you know, some solid training did um, for my performance. Um, but then, yeah, leading into U.S. Open, it just I wouldn't really call it, you know, solid, consistent training. It was just kind of all over the place. Um, so I was still able to perform, you know, pretty well in um, at U.S. Open. Um, just because of, I think, you know, the training I had done um, back in September and October preparing me for that. Um, but then, yeah, kind of after U.S. Open, I was just kind of like, I'm going to, you know, try to stay in one place for a while, not miss too much practice and just get some good, consistent training in. Um, and then I knew that if I did that, I would probably be better than I was at U.S. Open. And so, yeah, I just kind of had some really good, consistent few weeks of training at Virginia leading up to that. So during the race, I mean, you were well ahead of the field. Did it feel like you were like, man, I'm flying or was it, did, did it feel like it was going to be a best time? Like how, how did it feel while you were in the water? Yeah, I was definitely, I was also really shocked when people told me what I went out in, which was like a 107.0, I think. Um, because yeah, when I was doing the race, I took the same amount of strokes that I usually do. Like I kind of just stuck to the same plan as usual. I definitely like tried to push it a little bit more the second 50 um, than I usually do because that's kind of what I've been working on. I knew that I had to kind of push that second 50 to be able to get the third 50 and fourth 50 faster than what I usually do. Um, but it was the same number of strokes that I usually take. So I didn't feel like I was really like pushing it a lot more than usual. But I definitely saw that I was way ahead of the field, even after the 100, and I was a little confused. Um, I was like, I guess I'm going really fast. Um, it, it felt like a, yeah, altogether, it felt really good. Um, and I felt like I was able to execute it the way that I wanted to, which was kind of pushing that second and third 50. Yeah. Barbini, I'm going to jump around. I know we kind of have an outline that we're following, but Kate, you said... You're taking the same amount of strokes, but obviously fastest you've ever swum. Mm -hmm. Talking about the data that you've been working on at UVA, do you think all the things that you've been working out with data analysis with Dr. Ono and Todd, how much of a role does that play into you keeping same stroke count, but then dropping two seconds? Yeah, I think that definitely, yeah, the stuff that we do plays a little bit into that. And 
something we've been working on I've been working on a lot in practice is kind of getting the most out of each stroke and making each stroke as efficient as possible and definitely looking at the data analysis and things you know inefficiencies in my stroke um, are ways to do that um, and yeah I think just really focusing on getting as far as I can with each stroke is something I've been doing and yeah, obviously Knoxville shows that the training that we've been doing for that has been working. Yes, it did. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> indicates that. Yeah. Um, so I want to jump to Doha. So this is kind of a, an interesting time for our world championships. Um, yeah. So kind of what's your what's your mindset and your plan heading into this this competition in just a couple of weeks? Yeah, um, I definitely knew I was going to kind of accept this opportunity. I feel like yeah, a lot of people declined it and it's an awkward time for a big meet, but I don't know. I think, you know, in past years, I've kind of done a big meet around this time because of the college season. And I think it's great to have an opportunity to race. And since there's not as many people going, that allowed me the opportunity to maybe swim some other events that I wouldn't usually make at a meet like this. So I'm entered into a lot of events. I don't know if I'm going to do them all because that would be really exhausting, but um, I'm definitely excited just for the opportunity to get up and race a lot. So yeah, on that though, just like, just so the people listening, understand how many events you actually are entered in. So it's the 1500 free, the 100 and 200 breast, the 200 IM and the 50 fly. Did I get them all or did I miss one? Yeah, I think I'm in the hundred breast also, but yeah, I think, I, I think that might be a scratch. I'm I'm going to decide soon on what I'm scratching, but I might scratch like one or two because, yeah, I was looking at the lineup and there was one night where I'd possibly have three swims and I was like, I don't know if that sounds enjoyable, um, but <laughs> it's good practice, I guess. Consistent training for sure, at least yeah. at the very <laughs> least. Um, the team that is being sent to Doha is super young. Um yeah. And I want to know what your first international experience was like. And if you had any advice to those young swimmers that you're going to be in Doha with, because now you're kind of like solidifying yourself as a veteran. You've been around the block. You know what's up. I know. It's weird to think that I'm like kind of one of the old ones now because I don't feel that way. But well, you're not old. That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. I'm not, but I kind of am. But yeah, no, my first like my first like big international experience was really the Olympics. Um, so that was obviously like, you know, a high pressure, scary meet, but I just remember how great all of the older swimmers were, all the vets were then to kind of just welcoming me and the younger kids in and kind of just showing us how everything goes and just, yeah, being great, like role models for us. And so that's kind of what, you know, I want to do now, now that people are looking up to me for advice for a role model, I'm just excited to kind of be a leader and help, yeah, show the younger kids, you know, how it's done um, and help them along. Yeah, this is a unique opportunity too. Um, because the team is so small, there's probably more opportunity to do that. Like normally when we take a yeah. full-size team, it's 52 athletes and it's just kind of chaos as everybody's sort of moving different directions and um, there's not as much time for that. This is a, a full length meet um, where you actually will have the opportunity to kind of like hang out with these guys and, and kind of impart some of that wisdom yeah. <laughs> you've gained now. It'll, yeah, it'll gained. definitely be a cool opportunity for all the, the younger kids who, you know, wouldn't get this opportunity in, in most years. So 
that'll be it'll be cool for them to just have a smaller group yeah um with this year being a post-grad year for you what are the biggest differences between you swimming on the college team and now training post-grad and and are there like pros cons like what's your takeaway yeah I mean it's not like that different it kind of is I'm kind of doing the same thing that I was in previous years like I'm training on the same schedule as everyone else um but just not going to the meets with everyone and I would say I do enjoy that part um I mean I loved my four years as an undergrad on the college team but I definitely was ready to kind of just be more independent and more focused on just my own swimming and so I have kind of liked that just um yeah just kind of focusing more on you know my goals for this year and just being more of an independent um swimmer on the team but it's definitely nice that I get to kind of stick with the same schedule and the same training partners that I usually do it was kind of funny in Knoxville because of the the you guys had the college team had the dual meet against Virginia Tech all of your teammates and Todd missed the American record. They weren't there, right? Yeah. So that that was funny. What was their reaction like? Was your uh, was your phone just blown up when you dried off? Yeah, yeah. I did have. There were three. There were three other girls who missed um, the dual meet, and they were there. But yeah, Todd was definitely upset that he wasn't there. Um, it was funny. Todd and my mom was at the meet for some of the sessions, but of course she left um, that afternoon <laughs> before that race. Oh. I think she and Todd were texting and he was like, well, at least you got to see it. And she was like, no, actually I didn't. Um, so they were definitely both upset that they missed that race. Um, but yeah, I think it was definitely exciting for him to be able to watch that. But um, yeah, no, I definitely had a lot of texts from my teammates and stuff, which was fun knowing that everyone was um, excited for me. Yeah. Everybody cheering for you. And I love like when you get out of a race and you have all those messages, you're like, yeah, this yeah. is like awesome. Um, yeah. The excitement level heading into trials, it's going to be in an NFL stadium. Um, can you talk a little bit about how pumped you are for that? And, and maybe a dive into the feelings that you have with it being an Olympic year and heading into Olympic trials, feelings of nerves, whatever it is that you have. Yeah. I mean, this year, it's just, yeah, this year's definitely different than the last Olympic trials where I feel like I was kind of going into it, like not really thinking about making the team because I didn't, I didn't really think I had much of a shot. And then um, when I did kind of realize I had a shot, I remember the nerves just kind of like totally like consuming me. And it was just like a horrible feeling. I was so stressed out. Like it was just so scary. Um, but I feel like this year I definitely like have had experience, you know, being under that pressure at meets now. Um, and so I feel like I'll kind of be able to get past those nerves and not be as stressed out during the meet, um, which I think is going to be a good thing. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of nice being able to have my, yeah, just kind of have trials be my focus this whole year. And I feel like by the time I get there, I'm just going to be ready to race and excited to race. Um, and yeah, I think I'm just really looking forward to kind of resting a little bit and just seeing what I can do there. So if one of these, these youngsters on the Doha team were to ask you, like, what's it like to swim at Olympic trials? And like, what advice do you have for me? I'm going into my first trials. What would you tell them? Oh, I would say just try not to get too in your head um, before your race. Honestly, just kind of, I feel like focusing on 
on your own race strategy and just being confident that you know how to do that race and don't don't think too much about it um because i feel like that's always something that i get really stressed out at these meets especially if it's kind of your first big one um is just to kind of live in the moment and just like try to be calm before that race i think it's that's incredible advice because i feel like you've lived it you know you alluded to being extremely stressed at yeah. olympic trials in 2021 I'm assuming you felt that before the Turner IM and, and other races as well, but especially the Turner IM. So I want to know, like, how do you flip that switch before a race where you are likely or trying to make an Olympic team? Um, because mm -hmm. I feel like that's what separates like the good from the great is being able to transfer that nervous energy into something good. So is that mm -hmm. what you're telling yourself? Like, just focus on the moment. Like, I would love to know. Yeah, I feel like I kind of just try to really push like every single thought out of my mind, except for like what I'm about to do. And I kind of just focus on like, I literally get behind the block and I'm like, okay, fly back rest free. That's all we're doing right now, you know, four yeah. laps. And I kind of tell myself, like, I'm just like, you do this in practice all the time. Like, you know how to do this race. Like, you know how to do it. That's kind of what I tell myself. So I don't get too scared about what the outcome is. Um, I just like tell myself that I know how to do it. Um, and I find that that definitely helps kind of just take everything else out of my mind. So you're outside of the pool, you're working on your master's in statistics. Is it helpful in the, a year that can be kind of all consuming and, and a little bit pressure filled to have something else aside from swimming that you're working on? Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's kind of why I decided to get my master's was to just have something else outside of the pool so that I wasn't just focused on my swimming. So I feel like otherwise then I can kind of get more in my head just about practice and having, you know, making sure everything's perfect swimming wise. But when I have something else going on, it kind of, yeah, it's nice to have a little distraction and take my mind off of swimming when I'm not at the pool. Um, and yeah, I've definitely enjoyed that. It was a little scary before this semester started because for the last four weeks, we've been kind of just like, you know, swimming, sleeping, eating, and going back to swim practice. And I was like, damn, I don't really want to start school again. Um, but now that we've kind of, we we started like a week and a half ago. So now that we've kind of gone back into it a little bit, I'm happy that I decided to keep doing it because it's nice to kind of be productive and find something else, you know, that I'm interested in to fill my time. Yeah. You, you kind of remind me of Maya Dorado in a little bit and that she kind of had that data analytics type mind and like always had something on the side, which I think helped allow her to mm -hmm. have such an amazing like end to her swimming career as a post-grad. Yeah. For you, you have school, you have swimming. Are there anything, any other things outside of those two things that you do to kind of help have balance or help keep your mind off swimming and school, which are like two of the main ingredients on your plate? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's really not much time for a lot else. But, That's also true. I'm like, so you what know, else do you do during your day? <laughs> you know, I, it's definitely nice to, I still have like a whole a whole group of girls here that, that I'm close with. And it's nice that, you know, when we all find time to go do something like go out to eat or just drive around, um, those are definitely things that are nice to do that kind of take our mind off of everything else going on. Should we jump into some social kick, Baza? Social kick. I love social All right. Kick. So, Kate, social kick is a, a series of questions that are come from 
people through social channels. So we post that you're going to be on the podcast and then they, they send questions in, uh, this, this group is, uh, kind of all over the place. So they're, uh, you can answer these as quickly or as, uh, as long as you would like. Um, the first one is from LEM. How do you deal with bad training days or bad training weeks? That is a good question. Cause I definitely have, I've definitely had my fair share of bad training days. Um, I feel like something that's something I've gotten better at throughout my career and I'm not, I'm still not perfect at dealing with those days, but I think it's, it's good to know that it's okay to not handle them well. Um, because that's definitely been like a focus of mine is trying to figure out kind of just how to get past those bad training days. Um, so that I don't let them, you know, affect my next practice, but, um, really something that I try to focus on when I'm having like a really bad practice or I'm just going slow is just knowing that if I'm giving a full effort, um, if I'm doing the set correctly, even if it's not the results that I want, I'm still getting something out of it and it's still important to do. So kind of just knowing that even on your bad weeks and your bad days, you're still getting something out of it and it's not a waste of your time. You've been training with the UVA team now, this is your fifth year. So are there types of sets that you could look at the practice beforehand and be like, oh man, I know this is a tough one for me or ones that you like kind of dread year after year? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, everyone loves a 50 free practice, like a hundred, you know, power practice. Cause it's just a lot of, it's a lot of 25s and power work, which isn't easy, but it's easier mentally. Um, I feel like for a lot of us to kind of just get through that rather than, you know, sometimes when we have a set where it's like just a bunch of like 200s and aerobic stuff, it's just like, oh man, I don't want to have to do this. Like that just sucks. Um, so I feel like whenever it's something that's working on like aerobic or threshold, that's just, that's something I'm not super excited about. Um, and we have this one practice a week that's like our 200 free practice, um, where it's just a lot of like aerobic swimming and then a bunch of 50s fast and it's really hard and and I definitely am you know kind of like groaning before I have to get in the water to do that one but I know that since it's the hardest practice of the week it's probably the most important and you know I feel like that that helps me get through it great okay so um this next one is from Caitlin S I'm gonna change her question slightly because we kind of covered it a little bit um so her question was, what hobbies do you have outside of swimming? Obviously, there's not a ton of time for a lot of those things. So either what ho hobbies did you have kind of as you were growing up swimming or what hobbies do you look forward to having when you have more time, you know, after your swimming career? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess I would say a hobby that like a few of us here at Virginia have is baking in our free time. Um, like I like to bake chocolate chip cookies a lot. Um and like Alex bakes like banana bread, I feel like at least like twice a week, like all the time. And so I feel like that's something that's like kind of just like when you're stressed out, it's just kind of like calming to just be like, you know, just like bake something. Um, and then obviously it's nice to eat a dessert. Um, but yeah, baking is is definitely something I like to fill my free time with. Who's the best baker on the team? Um. I wouldn't, I don't think I would say I'm the best baker since I literally just bake chocolate chip cookies and like brownies from like a box mix. Um, obviously they still taste good, but um, I don't know. I mean, Alex bakes banana bread a lot. <laughs> um, so she's pretty good at that, but I don't know. We have a few 
girls who are pretty decent at baking. Kate, do you cook your meals too after practice? Yeah, I've started cooking more this year. I'm still not great, but I'm getting better at it. Because um, yeah, now that I'm no longer um, an athlete at UVA, I don't have the dining hall. Um, so yeah, I've started cooking pretty much all my meals um, this year and I've enjoyed it. I feel like it's kind of nice to kind of spend time um, making my own food. And I feel like, yeah, it tastes better that way. Um, and yeah, no, I'm I'm not the best at cooking, but we're getting better. But you're cooking. But you cooking. Cookies are good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not a lot of exciting things. Um, I would say a lot of us here will probably we make this like we usually just have like frozen salmon and you know cook that and then put it in like rice and like add avocado and that's like a little salmon bowl. Um, and a lot of us make that because it's pretty easy. So I probably make that a few times a week. Salmon, banana bread, and chocolate chip cookies. It's the, the, yeah. the key right. to UVA success. Yeah. Yeah. It literally sounds like my post-grad life. So yeah, yeah. 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 Everybody. I think, it's, I think it's pretty common. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So uh, from Andrea C, goldfish or Cheez-Its? Oh, I feel like Cheez-Its. I would definitely choose Cheez-Its over Goldfish. All right. Barbie, uh, back... what would you choose? Yeah, what about you guys? So, yeah. All right. So for me, Goldfish was like my favorite snack when I was a little kid. So yeah. I probably like nostalgically would still go Goldfish. But those extra like burnt Cheez-Its, have you ever had those? Those yeah. are like amazing. So I, I can't turn those like, down. There's more flavor in Cheez-Its. So. Yeah. I, I think if it were flavor blasted goldfish versus mm. Cheez-Its, it would be a little bit more even, but if it's I just agree. normal goldfish, I'm going Cheez-Its. All right. This is a very pro Cheez-Its podcast. I know. Right <laughs> <laughs> uh, really okay. Back to, here. this is the, this is, this is this what is the people tuned in for. Yep. Um, all right. Back to a swimming question. Jonathan T. How do you hold your pace on a 200 breaststroke compared to a hundred or a 50? And he's asking for his 10 year old son, Chase, or uh, sorry, Cash, who loves breaststroke. Hmm. Well, I would say a 200 breaststroke pace is different than hundred or 50. Um, I definitely try to glide more and get more out of each stroke in a 200. Um, and yeah, you want to go pace that you can hold for, you know, a longer amount of time, I guess, but yeah, 100 and a 50 is, is more about just kind of sprinting and and getting your kind of tempo going, getting your arms moving more. There we go. That's a good answer. Yeah, there you go. Get that glide, Cash. <laughs> glide, baby. Okay, yeah. I, have, I have one more question for you. Just thinking about how versatile you are as an athlete, <clears throat> what does your blend of training look like? Because you're swimming a 50 freestyle at the highest level possible. And then also the Turner breaststroke. And I think that like my brain doesn't really compute that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess I just do, we do a little bit of everything in practice. Like there's definitely like each practice kind of is a focus on a certain event. Um, and so throughout the week I'll do a 50 free practice, a two free practice, a two breast practice, um, you know, hundred breasts, but yeah, I definitely think my training focuses more on freestyle and breaststroke. I do a lot of that. So I'll usually do like 
I'll, yeah, I'll usually do one power freestyle and brushstroke workout a week and one 200 pace for both of them. But yeah, I mean, I kind of just, you know, each day is kind of just different, which I think I like. It's nice. That's awesome. So that, that reminded me of something I wanted to ask earlier. So you did what I think a lot of people consider to be one of the strangest doubles uh, that anybody's ever done at world championships with the two breasts and the, the hundred free. What, what was your approach to that? And was like, so when I was, we were looking at the event profiles, like, well, those two events are so different, just like energy system wise and technically. So was that like easier than doing two 100 freeze, like with that amount of time or like, how, how were you thinking about it? And then how was the experience of doing that? Yeah, I was definitely scared for that double going into the meet. Um, Cause yeah, obviously having to do a 200 breaststroke after hundred freestyle, it doesn't sound awesome. But yeah, whenever I have doubles, I kind of focus my warm up on the first event and I kind of put all of my focus onto the first event. And then after that's over, I kind of then switch and try to get ready for the whatever the next event is. Um, so yeah, before that, I was kind of just focusing on hundred free in my warm up, and then I don't know. I guess because of my training, I was just confident that I was gonna be able to finish a two hundred breaststroke. I didn't really know how good it was gonna be. Um, and I was definitely scared to like kind of push that first hundred because I wasn't sure how my legs were going to hold up at the end of that after hundred freestyle. Um, but definitely in training, like leading up to that, um, we tried to do a lot of practices where I would do like an hour of freestyle work and then I would switch to like an hour of breaststroke work to kind of get my body used to doing that. Um, and I think that definitely helped a little bit going into that double. All right, we have one question left from Social Kick, and this is probably the most important question we're going to ask you all day. This is from SC Swimming. What's up with Todd's mustache? Great question. Um, I thought it was <laughs> uh, no shave November kind of thing, and then and then it kept going, and he never shaved it. Um, yeah, I would say I'm not a fan. Um, he says he's trying to he says he's trying to grow it out to where he can like curl it. No, <laughs> it's, I know it's like, sometimes when I see him, it's like a jump scare. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I would, I would support shaving it. Um, <laughs> All right. We'll get a petition started and we'll work on that. Yeah. I'm sure that petition would have more than your name on it. I think it's, it is a, it is a wild mustache. Yeah. Sorry, Todd. Yeah. Sorry, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love for you <laughs> not so much for the mustache <laughs> awesome well kate thank you very much this was great um really appreciate you taking the time um i will see you in like 10 days in doha um and looking forward to watching you the rest of the season great good luck kate thanks for coming thanks thanks again to kate douglas for joining us basil that was great it's always uh it's fun to talk to somebody with such a a unique event profile like there really is not a lot of overlap most of the time between the events that she swims yeah i i do not know anybody like kate douglas i think the only other like freestyle breaststroke crossover at least in my time was jess hardy yeah like that's really the only other person i can compute and then add in the true i am and even the hundred fly and the 50 free like yeah she just like the whole entire spectrum she's got it covered and a really interesting mindset at least for me listening to her talk about her post-grad year 
she has school, which I think is like the biggest game changer yeah. because I know when swimmers graduate NCAA and move on to swimming pro, it's kind of like, whoa, like this is too much. Yeah. Like, what do I do with my time? And then swimming becomes only thing. And then it's just a down, downward spiral from there. So I think it's really awesome that she recognized and was like, I need to have something else on my plate. Yeah. That's a huge. Well, and, yeah. and, uh, like to have that extra thing outside the pool. But then, like she said, she goes into the pool every day. And based on the events that she swims, her training in the pool is different every day, too. So there's like more variety there, too, as opposed to just like, oh, I'm just a straight 50 freestyler and to kind of do that. Like she's got opportunities to kind of do different things. Yeah. And I think that's going to allow her longevity to just go even further. Yeah. Which is yeah, really yeah. exciting for us at USA Swimming. Like we get Kate Douglas for hopefully a long time. Well, let's hope so. Because that, hope that, so. <laughs> that talent and that versatility is kind of one of a kind. So yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, so speaking of watching her, she will be competing on our world's team um, in Doha. And then um, so we'll have all of our coverage for that at USAswimming.org. And then domestically, our next event is we're starting to ramp it up, man. We've only got two more pro series and then club excellence challenge series in may and then we're on to trials so um coming down to it but the next one is march six to nine in westmont um so make sure to tune into uh, usaswimming.org for that as well and then of course if you want to come see everything with us at trials um usaswimming.org slash trials go get those tickets come see me and basil <laughs> yeah we'll be there come on you guys <laughs> yeah. get to meet us in person <laughs> i think we may have just reduced ticket sales but <laughs> no it's gonna come be anyway despite us being there yeah, yeah. come anyway just avoid <laughs> us if you see us yeah, that's yeah, fine yeah, yeah. but it's gonna be honestly an incredible like an a spectacle of a show yeah. i'm yeah. so so excited so, like i've only ever known trials in omaha barbini have you mm. ever been to a trials other than nope. omaha nope yeah, i've been to three and they were all in omaha yep yeah, like so new for everybody. And with it being in an NFL stadium, I mean, I like, I would not miss this. No. Yeah. yeah. So don't. <laughs> so go. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we will, uh, we will talk to you all again next month. Uh, make sure to subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Basil, have a great month. And we'll talk to you in February. Arbini, enjoy Doha. Enjoy all of your travels. And uh, best of luck. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.